Hello solvers, welcome to the Solver's Edge, the podcast that takes you on a journey of why, how, and when does open innovation matter. Have you ever wondered what it means to innovate in a hard-to-change industry, one in which change is costly for both the company and stakeholders in the ecosystem? Though resistance to change is prevalent, I recently met a member of such an industry that has been innovating since the 1960s and is an avid practitioner of open innovation methods. This company practices a strategic approach to open innovation. They sponsor challenges to source and absorb innovation into processes and build the culture of innovation internally. They've tried the approach for a while and they believe that until you define a strategy for how you want to innovate and how you want to open innovate, you are not going to go far. We learned about this company from our friend Kate Rushton, who participated and won their Internet of Water Challenge. If you listened to our last episode and guessed Denora, then you were correct. Therefore, join me in welcoming Filippo Ronzani, the Head of Open Innovation, and John Ong, Chief Engineer in Denora, the world's leading provider of equipment, systems, disinfection, and filtration solutions for water and wastewater treatment. Filippo Ranzani and John Ong, welcome to the Solver's Edge, and thank you for joining us to share an ounce of your expertise and Denora's experience with open innovation. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. When I start conversations like this, I really love to understand the essence and go to the first things first. So I want to learn first about Denora's journey into the open innovation. So can one of you share how did Denora become interested in open innovation practices and why specifically? Sure. So open innovation, we can say, has always been part of Denora's way to do innovation, starting from the 60s when uh, Denora was able to leverage uh, a technology that was invented elsewhere to create uh, a whole new business and revolutionize the whole industry of chloralkali. And uh, after that, Denora kept working on open innovation, doing partnerships with key companies around the world. Um, But it's only around 2014, 2015, when Denora started putting a structure around how we would do open innovation. That started within the research and development function, but then expanded to all the functions of the company. And um, the reason why we did that is was to keep up with time changing and uh, the innovation being faster and faster, um, trying to put into practice our main concept of continuous improvement and continuous innovation. And uh, if we want to innovate how we innovate, we need to use also open innovation as a strategic tool for that. That is interesting to learn uh, uh, that the challenges and the open innovations have been pioneered so early or like so much earlier than we know about them uh, and then structured for the first time in 2014 and 15. So then with this practice in mind uh, or this history in mind, how many open innovation challenges has the Nora launched and implemented? Well, it depends a little bit on how we define open innovation challenge. Uh, If we think about a challenge as like a a one-shot big event when we try to interact with startup companies or young entrepreneurs, 
uh, Denora did only two of them, uh, mm -hmm. one in 2017 and one last year. Uh, but in general, we had probably tens of different challenges that were more uh, with, they had a narrower focus and more need driven. So we need, we had a specific technical problem to solve and we would go outside and search for talent and expertise. Um, but I should also mention that um, Denora is trying to change uh, the culture of the company towards open innovation and, and make open innovation a clear part of... Filippo, now that I understand the continuous innovation being uh, the, the value that Denora is trying to cultivate through the open innovation challenges, have you been able to identify what are the types of challenges within the company that are best solved through this approach? And need that standard or a constant network of solvers uh, to be cultivated in parallel? Well, I think there are two, um, two aspects. One is pretty obvious, probably, is to innovate beyond the internal competences. Uh, so we are seeing the boundaries between industries and markets becoming blurry, and we need to tap into different types of skills that we do not have internally and that's very uh, like for that open innovation is crucial because uh, we, we can't have everything internally that's well known but also it is easier to fight the not invented here uh, syndrome uh, if you go into areas of expertise that are a little less familiar to the people of the company um, so i think this is probably the most important uh, aspects that we're trying to uh, to tackle with open innovation, yes. And uh, how challenging it is then to cultivate this mindset uh, internally? It is very challenging, uh, especially when uh, when you have to deal with technologies and businesses that have been part of the the core culture of the company for decades, and uh, we're talking about. Uh, industries are not very fast changing, very traditional, very uh, asset intensive. So there is a very big resistance to change. Um, and uh, I think that in the past few years, we provided so many examples of initiatives and success stories that people now start believing that this can be a value. Uh, but I think that the most value we can get from open innovation is uh, in areas where we actually don't know what we're doing. Uh, and uh, there are a few rare examples of uh, open innovation being a little uh, surprising when we discover things we didn't know. Um, sometimes you do some technology scouting, you're interacting with some partners and you discover a new technology that could be disruptive or very interesting in any case for your field and uh, that you were unaware of. Um, but um, uh, besides these very few uh, examples, I think that um, by slowly forcing people to use open innovation as a strategic tool to do innovation in the company, I think now people are getting better and better in accepting, um, let's say, cross-contamination from uh, other companies and other fields. I love this uh, reinforcement uh, of the open innovation value 
that uh, happens through examples, success stories, and then experiences of the other organizations. Uh, because I understand that in a very slow changing industry, that uh, empowerment and inspiration can at times come outside. And I love how you earlier in, uh, mentioned the, the power of networks. So when you build the network or the community of solvers, what has worked best uh, to build that standing community of people who are inspired to come and innovate in a very slow changing industry? Well, it comes with, with some challenges, but I think the key ingredient is to be open and transparent. Uh, I think that uh, there are so many companies and so many seekers and solvers around the world. Uh, and uh, it is difficult to create a relationship of trust and, and transparency. And I think that this is, in my experience, very much appreciated. And um, this includes also saying no to seekers. Uh, we can't do everything. We can't run all the projects uh, that people propose to us, but we have to be clear in what the goals are and why we're saying yes to some projects and no to others. And by doing this, people actually believe that the company has a strategy and has values that make collaborations and partnerships possible. Uh, to build openness, transparency and trust, I think very often we also need to have some structures in place and has have you guys been able to build that structure of to support that open innovation challenge and communication, knowing that this is a culture that is gradually building and evolving at the Norris's sixties. Uh, if you're talking about internal structure, uh, yes, it's been a continuously evolving situation, but starting from 2014-15, we have created the, the right function, we have involved people, we have uh, made announcements and uh, clarified responsibilities internally. Uh, in terms of what we have done with the external uh, stakeholders, uh, the structure might be less visible, but we 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 actually define a strategy for open innovation uh, a few years ago, and we have been driven by that. So we 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 had built the 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 funding that made us be an open innovator. I love this evolution because as I talk to different change makers within the open innovation space, I see the increasing enthusiasm and belief that open innovation should become a standing function in each corporate in order to keep uh, keep up with the innovations that are happening in the ecosystem. So that is something to, to be shared. And I look forward to Denora uh, sharing this experience with more than uh, other corporates and inspire them. With this experience, have you figured out what is that challenge structure that needs to be in place in order to attract the solve that you're trying to engage? Um, yes, I, I mean, this, the structure of a challenge is more or less always the same. You define a problem, you mm -hmm. communicate externally, trying to find solutions, and then you identify the mechanisms to implement the solutions. But I think that the way we do these three main steps depends on the type of challenge. If we uh, if 
if our challenge is very specific and very need driven for a technical problem, um, the the outreach is usually limited. We, we, we tap into the existing network, trying to find the right talent and skills. Um, and usually we look for, um, uh, not really for ideas, but for something more into like prototypes or minimum viable product. Um, so that the time of it for implementation is a little shorter. Uh, when we run larger challenges in, let's say, less unfamiliar, less familiar, areas uh, when we try to, to find, I don't know, new business models, or we try to develop new digital uh, solutions uh, that would combine with our products. In that case, maybe we, we consider time for implementation that is a little longer. We do a much broader outreach and we try to, to find also ideas instead of uh, um, technology or, or concepts are a little more uh, high TRL. And have you been able to identify what are the types of incentives that work for different type of solutions that you're seeking in order to attract most of the, the optimal number of participants? I, in our experience, the, uh, the most important rewarding we can provide to, to the solvers is uh, a real partnership and co-development of concepts and technologies. Um, in our experience, a monetary rewarding is not really what drives success. It is part of, uh, of, of the experience in some cases, and it's, it's the right thing to do. Uh, but I think that solvers look more into developing a partnership with Nora or other companies rather than to have a little monetary prize. So then you almost answered uh, my next question, and that was about the success of the Open Innovation Challenges, because I wanted to know from your experience what it is, but is it the answer, the partnerships and the integration of these or absorption of these solutions into the, the Norris uh, operations? Yes, I think that's, that's the success. Um, I think that another part of maybe it's not the definition of success, but it's a very key ingredient, is to, to create the right mindset in the internal colleagues who actually deal with the challenge in accepting the, the new idea or the new concept coming from outside. Uh, if we can create that culture, I think it is already a success. How does this affect the absorption of the winning solutions into the organization? I don't know if it makes, I don't think it makes things faster, but there is definitely more enthusiasm, more will to, to actually be involved and participate actively in implementing the innovation. Um, it also uh, makes uh, the, this enthusiasm contagious. So if you select the right internal team to work with external partners, and you have a nice relationship with the, with the solvers, then you can actually do some internal marketing and bring more people on board. Uh, in that, uh, I think that this, uh, this culture is a sort of self-catalytic system that promotes open innovation inside the company. What I love about open innovation is how it really democratizes the opportunities and opens that opportunity to solve uh, and become a change maker to anyone, anywhere.
So with what you shared right now, I would love to dive into a specific success story. So I think this is when I start you know, addressing questions to John. And John, I would love to learn from you like about one open innovation experience that really makes your heart beat faster with full of excitement and joy and pride. So please share something with us and the, our audience. Yeah, we have we have a great example from the UK. Actually, it came from a uh, problem we had where we're seeing declining numbers in near misses being reported. So, so near misses are an unplanned event with the potential to cause harm. Um, in health and safety theory, that there's a Heinrich safety pyramid. You have fatalities right at the top, and you have near misses and unreported events right at the bottom. So, what the theory says is that the more the more unreported events and the more near misses you put into the bottom. The, the fewer number of serious incidents and fewer fatalities you have at the top. So it's an absolutely critical part of our business for our health and safety model. How did you define or shape this challenge that you needed innovators to solve for the near misses? Yeah, so, so the UK hubs always maintained a strong focus on health and safety. It's been critical to what we do, um, mainly stems from the fact that we provide water technologies into critical municipal process uh, applications. So it's, so it's absolutely critical that we can maintain, uh, we can utilize and we can um, use our products on a daily basis safely. Um, so as a result, um, during a small team meeting I had with the engineers and service team, we said to each other, you know, where are we at with near misses? Um, are we doing it well enough? What is our current procedure? Um, and the general feedback was we were just seeing a decline, um, which is not great for our business model. You know, we want we want to see a increase in near misses uh, for the reasons I just explained. Um, so, so we set back an internal challenge to reconsider our approach. I said to the guys, you know, what what could we do to change this? This is an open platform. A lot of the things Filippo has been talking about. Um, you know, we've got a blank sheet of paper here. You know, what could we do? And then uh, how, did you make this a challenge of one phase or did you want this to be a challenge of two or three phases to cultivate the solutions within the challenge process? Or did you define it? No, we just want to see what are the solutions that people are coming in with so that we can try to integrate them as fast as possible. Yes. So in this case, we, we couldn't really look back and go, oh, we've seen um, our competitors or we've seen our partners doing a, a similar thing. So we sort of did take the blank sheet of paper approach. Um, we generally found the general consensus within the team was we wanted to modernize the solution. So currently the solution was to use pen and paper. Um, as soon as an event happened, we would write it down and we would record it that way. Um, so as a result, the, the solution became a digital app. We all carry phones around everywhere we go now, um, especially even on site and all the industrial and municipal applications we, we go to. Uh, it just seemed like maybe we could use our phone for it. So we trialed a few winning solutions, all similar, but uh, the winning solution in the end had a, a set of better features, basically. So John, can you share with us a bit more about how many solutions you shortlisted before you decided about the winner? Yeah, so the shortlist was about three different apps. Um, we... We gave them to everybody. If we went on to site, we tried them. Uh, we put them in different applications. Um, the feedback was that they all allowed you to report near misses. Great, but, but the, the winning application had far better features. So some of the things that came out of it were a GPS location data. 
So whenever uh, an app was, whenever an EMS was recorded, it automatically brought in the GPS data for where they were in the world when they recorded it. Um, it automatically connected with their line manager. So a line manager could see when a near-miss was being uh, inputted. So they, they could almost know that an event that had already happened. So it was almost a safety tool as well, which, which was one of the benefits that came out of this. Um, yeah, and it automatically sent notifications to key contacts as well. So thank you for highlighting the value of accelerated innovation and at the lower cost that comes through the open innovation challenges. So with this example now uh, shared, I would like to turn the floor back to Filippo because what I would love to learn with all this experience in mind and you know in front of us, Filippo, what do you think the future of open innovation is across boards? Thank you for this question. I think that the future of open innovation is going to be more and more uh, focused on business model innovation and also on the basically those blurry boundaries between different industries. And uh, if I can provide an example that is relevant to the Nora, one of the big bets that we have for our future, uh, for us and for the world, is uh, the, the field of green hydrogen. It's uh, it's one of the key um, topics fields. For that we're working on now. And uh, while we're trying to leverage our existing uh, technologies to enter this new market, we realize that the business model is different. You have so many different stakeholders that are joining forces. You have energy companies, water utilities, uh, chemical companies, tech provider uh, and engineering companies. Uh, you have mm, car manufacturers and you have so many different stakeholders that are mm, creating consortia and partnerships to develop green hydrogen solutions around the world uh, with a lot of involvement uh, of policymakers because we need incentives from government. Uh, we need to understand how the global supply chain for hydrogen generation and hydrogen utilization uh, is going to be uh, in, in the map. So I think that this is where open innovation is going to become crucial. Uh, we cannot really think of innovation for the future as something that we can do internally, but not only internally to the organization, but internally to the industry or the market in which we operate. So what needs to change in order uh, to facilitate better application of open innovation uh, methods and um, generate better business models that will support uh, green hydrogen solutions? Well, I think that uh, one of the, the, the challenges or say hindrances that we face, uh, not only in green hydrogen, but in all uh, areas is uh, the mm, we're still a little too sensitive to sharing information and confidentiality issues. Mm -hmm. And we are heading towards a world where um, everything is going to be more distributed. Uh, not only technologies and implementation of innovation, but also skills and, and, and knowledge. And uh, we probably need to change, uh, in general, the approach that we have to uh, how we protect our uh, our know-how, our uh, intellectual property more in general. I don't have a solution to this, honestly speaking, but I think this is one of the key um, areas in which 
as, as like as an industry world, we will need to innovate so that open innovation is going to be really an accelerator uh, in the future. So then if you had the magic wand five years from now, what would happen? Uh, I don't know <laughs> about the magic wand, but I, I think that what I would like to see uh, in, in open innovation is a much stronger focus on ESG approaches. So environmental, social and governance and corporate governance uh, more than uh, creating new products or offering. And uh, I understand the, the rules and the laws of the market and we need products, we need to grow, but I think that we need to create a sustainable future for us and the future generations. And uh, that will require a lot of innovation and a lot of open innovation in fields that are not the most traditional, uh, at least at a corporate level, to focus on in terms of innovation and open innovation. What would be one advice that you could share to potential future adopters of open innovation? What do they need to do internally in order to facilitate a better integration of the ESG solutions that have been uh, sourced through open innovation? Just one word, strategy. Um, I, I realized in my career as a manager of open innovation that until you, uh, you define a strategy for how you want to innovate and how you want to open innovate, which means innovating with external stakeholders, you're not going to go far. Uh, so you have to be strategic and not tactical. You have to define what your needs are, what is important uh, to your organization, what values you want to, uh, to have uh, and drive your business and define such a strategy for innovation and open innovation is going to lead you to, towards successes. I cannot agree more uh, with this goes along my belief of think big, start small, scale fast. Uh, <laughs> Filippo and John, it has been a great pleasure talking to you both today. Thank you so much for being our guests. And I look forward to a lot of more conversations. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here with you. Yes, thank you. Hey, solvers. I found the conversation with Filippo and John very enlightening. Their share on why, how, and when does open innovation matter, deriving from Denora's six decades of practice in hard-to-change and asset-intensive industry, really got me thinking. Firstly, open innovation allows organizations to keep up with increasingly faster-changing innovations and as such maintain relevancy in the market. Secondly, it was interesting to learn that in open innovation, culture does not seem to eat strategy for breakfast. Rather, they seem to coexist and reinforce each other. Strategy gives us direction on how to both innovate and open innovate, while culture, with its self-catalyzing power, creates an enabling environment for open innovation adoption and strategy execution. Thirdly, once practicing, we gotta be courageous for the most value from open innovation can come from the areas where we actually don't know what we're doing. 
I hope you enjoyed this conversation equally and learned something new about open innovation. We'd love to hear from you. So email us at thesolversedge at captivategroup.com and share your key takeaways. If you like this episode, follow us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you subscribe to our newsletter at www.captivategroup.com forward slash the solvers edge, we'll make sure you do not miss on our next episodes.